Hello, everybody, and welcome to the live stream. Dan here, your friendly fishmonger from Dan at dansfish.com. Oh, wait, that's my email address <laughs> from dansfish.com. That's the website. Uh, glad to be here. It's been a few days. Uh, it was weird taking some time off. I did a contest. Hey, Craig, welcome. Did a contest and I live streamed, I think, 11 days in a row or something like that. Um, at least 10. I think there was a day before announcing it, too. So having a, having a couple days off was nice, but weird. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just weird. Um, this happens to me in my day job, too. I do. Hey, Javier, welcome. Welcome. What's up? I, uh, you know, I do these big productions and you're working so hard on it and then it's over and it's like, what? I have a little free time. What, what do I do? It was kind of that feeling. Wichita, welcome. Glad you are here. Glad you are here. So um, I have some pretty cool things, I think, for today. I'm going to, um, I got an interesting question on email and I'm going to dig into that. It's actually a lot of questions in one email. Um, it's about killifish and breeding and things like that. So I'm going to dig into that a bit. And then I, after that, um, I want to find out what everyone's been doing. If anyone's had any fish spawn and what's going on in your fish rooms or in your aquariums or, or what have you. Scout Town, hello, Zachary, welcome. Glad you made it, Mr. Mayhew. Um, racing, welcome back, Racing. Glad you are here. So hope everyone had a wonderful, I would say week, but it's only been two days. It feels like a week. <laughs> hope everyone had a good one um good couple days and i'm glad you're back so i'm going to um start by i guess reporting a little bit on the uh contest um for anyone that's thinking of doing that it's a little crazy i mean it's, it's a little expensive but it went over really well there were a lot of people that made an account at the website a lot of people signed up for the newsletter um we are now at almost 1,400 subscribers on YouTube, so that's a great uh, jump up, you know, in 10 days. That's awesome. And um, YouTube page or the, uh, the Facebook page has grown a little bit, too. So I'm glad I did it. Um, and besides all that, it was just fun. I had a great time doing it and chatting with everyone. So, yeah, thanks for everyone that participated in that and for making it kind of a blast. No one was like, I was afraid some people would... I don't know, create drama or something somehow, but no one did. It was, it was pretty smooth. So glad we did it. Um, Doug's Fish Adventure. Hey, welcome. 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 Dan on Wednesday. I'm good on Wednesday. How is Dan on Wednesday was the question. I'm good on Wednesday. It was a good day at work today. We, uh, we, uh, had some cool things go on in class and it was a good day. Yeah. Christopher. Hey, Chris, checking in currently conditioning threadfin rainbows. Good. Panda barbs and white clouds for future spawns. All right, yeah, those should all breed for you. How big are the panda barbs? Just curious. Um, Michael, hello, hello, Carter, hello, welcome. So um, I'm gonna start by answering an email question I got. It was an interesting question, and I think it'll maybe open up some interesting discussion. And once we're done hashing that down, then I just wanna hear about what's going on in everyone's tanks. Uh, if anyone's bred anything, how the how the spawns are going. I know uh, someone had some peacock gungeons gudgeons spawn on like Sunday. Want to hear how they're doing? Things like that. So 
I'm not going to reveal this person's name because I'm not sure if they want their name out there, but um, here's the email. It's a little bit long, but it's pretty cool. There's some neat stuff in here. So, hey, it's so-and-so. I apologize in advance because I'm going to ramble. And there's a little rambling, but it's not too bad. Let me start by saying I love to breed and sell fish. Okay, you already have me interested. That's something I love to do too. I'm a stay-at-home mom, and I already have all these fish tanks and fish that I take care of. I think it would be great if my hobby could pay for itself. Yes, and it can. I don't think I'm going to just start making big money or anything, but I have the room and the time, so I might as well give it a go. Yes. I would really love to get some killifish that are not readily available in the U.S. Well, that's not hard. There's a lot that aren't available. We'll get into that. I see all these really pretty ones on Aquabid, and they aren't here. I've looked at Selfish Guy on Aquabid. Yeah, I've bought from him. I can tell you about my experience. And I have sent him an email about Dwarf Red Galaris, uh, Fundalopanchax Shodestedi. Ah, I always wonder if I'm saying that right. Shodestedi. You know, this is one of those names you always read, but you never hear. So, Shostedi, I think, that he has listed. Um, what is your favorite killifish? I'll answer that in a moment when I'm done reading this. Could you keep different types of killifish together if they look very different? Or do the females look so similar that it wouldn't matter? Good question. Any tips on deciding what would be good to sell? Yes. I'm going to be getting a group of bettas to sell soon. So if I hate shipping then all of this will just be for fun and I will have a fish room full of awesome fish. Okay, so you're going to try um, shipping fish, it sounds like, for maybe the first time, and you're going to try some bettas. I'm very blessed that my husband enjoys the hobby as well. That is awesome. I would really love to have different types of teeny tiny killifish. I'm working to, on getting different types of live food cultures, and I'm hoping if I'm any good at that, I could sell those as well. Okay, I love those gobies you have. And then from there, um, then I'm going to skip some stuff. And then I really appreciate that you taking the time to talk to me. I have a lot going on. Um, but this is something that I thought was interesting at the end here. Um, I also want to raise some prawns for food this summer. And I'm looking into what it would take to use my family's land to possibly raise fish on it again. Prawns, that's interesting. Now, I have no idea. I've never raised prawns, so I can't answer that question. But it's interesting that you have land to raise fish on again. And then here's, this is cool. My dad used to raise catfish with his dad back in the day. It's about 11 acres. It's all empty tanks. I wonder if she, I wonder if she means ponds because 11 acres, acres of tanks would be uh, <laughs> a lot. I think 16 or 18 ponds, I'm guessing. So if you know anyone who does big fish like that, I'd love to talk to someone about a bigger operation. I'm sure I'll have more questions to come. Thanks again. So there's a lot in this email. So um, I'm going to uh, dig into it and answer some questions that I can answer and pass on some I can't. But um, so let's start. So this person has several fish tanks. They want the hobby to pay for itself. They don't think they'll make big money or anything, but um, they have room and time and want to breed some fish. Great. And killifish is one of their interests. Um, so let's start with that. So you want to um, raise some killifish and you want to pay for the hobby. So if that's what you want, that's, or pay for their food, right? Um, let's see here, hobby pay for itself. Okay, so that's more than food. 
So that's something you can do. It just depends on how expensive your hobby is, the way you do it, right? If you uh, just have a 10 gallon tank with a plastic lid that you made and a sponge filter, that's not gonna cost much to recoup, right? Um, if you build an entire fish room, uh, like I have behind me, that's gonna take some time to recoup that. There's some serious cost in that, depending on how you build it. So, and there is a way to make money breeding fish, especially killifish. Now, I'm not saying that you're gonna make a living or something, but for a side hustle, it's not bad. So what I would say is, if you want to just have lots of different varieties of killifish and have them pay for themselves, then I'd have to say have three to four aquariums per species, and you can raise a decent number of fish that way, okay? Now, what, what tends to happen to people though, is they start getting some killifish and they're like, well, I don't have anything in that tank right now, and that fish is so cool, so they'll buy it and put it in that tank, and then pretty soon they're out of empty tanks. And that's a big problem if you're trying to breed, especially if you're trying to turn some kind of profit, whether it's um, just pay for the hobby, just pay for the fish food or what have you. So, or make some actual money and put it in your pocket. That can happen too. So I would say three to four tanks per species. Four would be great. Um, if you want to make real money doing fish and especially killifish, and by real, I don't mean like you're going to retire from your day job and buy a Lamborghini. I just mean some side cash, but that is an actual profit, then my suggestion would be to breed one species, breed it in massive numbers, and sell it to wholesalers. That's probably the best way to do that. Um, but if you have lots of tanks and you dedicate three to four tanks per fish, then you can get lots of different species of killifish. Um, you mentioned Selfish Guy. I've bought from Selfish Guy on Aquabid. Um, if you look back, in his feedback, I've left some feedback. It was two to three years ago now, I think, when I did that, and I had a good experience. I bought some, um, I think, four pairs of Fundalopanchaks uh, for Blue Galeris, the, the Niger Delta location, and I bought some Nothobronchias. And there might have been some other species, but those are the ones that I remember. And I had a great experience. Um, good seller, good size fish, good quality, and uh, it was a great transaction. So from my experience, which is, you know, I think I also got some Lamprichthys tanganyika in this, uh, eggs from them too. The, uh, the uh, Lake Tanganyika lamp by killifish as well, if I remember right. Um, and yeah, I think he's definitely a good person to buy from. Um, now let's look at his auctions on Aquabid. What does he have available if he's a seller you're interested in? Most of what he has available is Blue Galeris. Um, not most, but he has a lot of different Blue Galeris available. The issue with Blue Galeris is they're awesome. They lay tons of eggs, but you have to crack the code on how to keep the eggs from going bad on you. And that's a little bit difficult. And I haven't cracked it completely. I can get enough fry to keep it going and have some to sell, but I haven't figured out or tried hard enough to figure out, I guess, how to harvest several hundred eggs and have, you know, 90% of them hatch. But if you're willing to do that, and there are people that can do that sometimes, it's a little difficult, then yeah, get the Blue Galeris. However, the issue is going to be, 
you're probably going to get in the situation which almost everyone gets in with them, which is you get tons of eggs and then you have trouble figuring out how to how to make them go to term until they hatch. Now, I'm not saying it can't be done, but maybe something if you're interested in, in the dwarf red Glarus, like you said, is get a pair or two um, and get some eggs and start experimenting and seeing if you can do that, if you can get a good yield, in which case, you know, get some of those. But so he has, he has blue Glarus, good fish, awesome fish, beautiful fish. Breeding for profit on those is hard just because of the uh, amount of mortality you experience at the egg level. Um, the Nothobronchiaeth corthousi, uh, uh, those are super hardy, super easy. So that's an easy annual killifish, and they give a lot of eggs. Now, the easiest killifish, if you're going for like Nothos to start with, is another one he has listed, with, which is Nothobronchiaeth guenthrae. Um, the Zanzibar. Those are super easy, super hardy. You can't go wrong with those. Um, now, you ask in your email, what are some species that you could try? And I'd say with killifish, you could try almost any you can find. The only ones that are regularly available in, say, a pet store are probably the Golden Wonder, which is a color morph of Aplicylus lineatus. Um, the Norman's lamp eye, that one you can find fairly regularly. And then the, they call it the rocket killifish, which is Sud epiplatis annulatus, little tiny little surface dwelling fish. Those you can find. Besides that, I'm not sure of any fish that you can find regular, regularly in the pet store, although Fundalopanchax gardneri is becoming increasingly available. So that is one. Oh, and flagfish. Flagfish you can generally find. Um, so besides those, there's several that you could try. One that would be great is called Aphiosimian striatum. It's a beautiful fish. It's easy to breed in my experience anyway. It's hardy and um, it's fairly prolific. So if you're trying to find a species that isn't readily available, say in pet stores, that you could you know, sell fairly easily, especially at a large volume um, to pet stores or wholesalers, I think Aphiosimian striatum might be a good one to, to try. Um, it's, a, it's not necessarily an annual species, although you can put the eggs on peat moss if you want, but that's one that might be worth trying. Um, now, if you have, I don't know, let's say you have 20 tanks, you're dedicating five tanks to each species, then I would definitely get that one. And then I would try, say, Nothobronchius gunthrae. Um, so that would be a non-annual African killifish, the uh, striatum. Then that would be an annual killifish, the nothos. Um, those are very easy. And they're sometimes available, but not frequently. So those are two from Africa. And then if you wanted to try um, another one, there's a beautiful fish from... Um, Brazil, the, the species name used to be YDI. It used to just be called Sinolebius YDI. And I, I know they've changed the genus and they, they might even have changed the species or split the species. It's, and the new one starts with a P and I can't remember off the top of my head what it is, but that's a pretty large three to four inch fish maybe. It's very beautiful, very prolific, very hardy. So that's a South American annual killifish you could try. 
um, and then maybe pick a couple others that, that you dislike. And that would be five different types, 20 tanks, and you could move the adults from tank to tank to tank and not even have to pick eggs or anything like that. And you could get enough going that way, I think, that you could um, make a little bit of cash to support your hobby. One of your questions is, what is my favorite killifish? For me, it's Fundalopanchax gardneri. Um, and that's, I know they're, they're one of the more common ones, but the reason I love them is they're hardy, they're beautiful, they're fun to breed, and I can count on them. And they were one of the first killifish I ever got, so they have a special place in my heart. But they're also pretty prolific. So um, Fundalopanchax gardneri or Fundalopanchax nigerianus, um, there's a... Uh, kind of splitting that group up a bit. Um, most of those would be great, especially if you've never tried killifish before. Uh, another one I really love is Chrome Aphiosemian bivitatum, especially the fungi location. Um, that's where my logo comes from, the silhouette of one of my fish that I had in, in my tanks of that species. So those are a couple of my favorites. Can you keep different types of killifish together? You can, but it's kind of taboo, especially if you're breeding. Um, you don't want to mix any genes. Now, you could mix, say, a non-annual, say, Aphiosemus striatum with um, what I'm going to call Sinolebius ydi, even though I know that's not the current name, and forgive me. But, um, you know, and they're not going to crossbreed. But in general, you probably wouldn't want to mix the species if you're trying to get any kind of uh, production out of them, if you're trying to spawn them. I would highly discourage that. Um, although I have, sometimes I've raised like chromaphiosimians with Aplicylus. If I had just a few fry of each, then I would raise the fry together, things like that. But in general, you don't want to do that, especially if they're like aphiosimian females are going to be hard to tell apart. The entire genus is going to be hard to tell apart. And they're going to be hard to tell apart from Fundalopanchax females as well. Um, and so in general, uh, my advice would be don't, don't mix them. There's exceptions to every rule, but in general, I wouldn't. Um, so I think that goes into most of your questions about killifish and um, breeding them maybe for a little bit of profit or kind of to supplement the hobby or help the hobby pay for itself. Um, so off the cuff, that is, that's what I think. Um, yeah. So I'm going to size they might be big enough that they might uh, start breeding for you. Um, man, my stream's buffering a bit. I hope it's okay on your end, guys. If you could let me know if it's uh, not, that would be nice to know. Craig, dang, I lost the video. Oh, sounds like it's maybe not okay. Hopefully it's back. Preston Shea, Rachel O'Leary did a, teary, a tour, a tour, a tour of Imperial Tropicals. Might be worth the watch for whoever was asking about fish farms. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. She did seagrass as well, although um, I'm not sure how much seagrass actually farms anymore. Dank tanks. High five right back at you. Pork slinger. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> what a great name. Hey, Dan. Stoked my bronze quarry spawn yesterday for the first time. All right. It's in a community tank, so I doubt they'll survive. Ton on the glass and circ head so circulation head i've seen some other fish grubbing on them though yeah they're good fish food um if you want the, an easy way i found success is just 
uh, take them off the glass. I use a razor blade and scrape them off. You can use a credit card. Some people even just roll them off with their fingers. I put them in a small container of water and then um, I put a little hydrogen peroxide in there and in three days or so they'll hatch for you. So if you want to do that, you can. Otherwise, hey, caviar is great food for fish, but that's good. I'm glad they're spawning for you. That's exciting. Christopher, a friend of mine, had a side business breeding dwarf red galeras. She made relatively good money doing it. Cool. Um, yeah, so she cracked the code of the, uh, the eggs fungusine problem. That's the problem I've always had with that species. And I've tried them in hard water. I've tried them in soft water. I've tried them all the time. But they're so beautiful and they're one of my favorites. So I always, I always go back and try again. They're awesome. Peter, hey, welcome. Welcome, Peter. William, I think L.R. Brett's just had panda barbs lay eggs. Oh, cool. I'll have to check that out. See if you had a video on that. Uh, Peter, poor Peter Thiel here. I have liked and shared this live event. Well, thank you, poor Peter. We appreciate it. <laughs> um, let's see here. I lost chat. Let me find it again. Christopher. Thanks, Will. Okay, yeah. Rich Andy, hello. Hello. Hello, CL. Hello, Lumpy Dog, who is in the house. Last time Lumpy Dog was in Ha House, so I'm glad you're back to in the house, Lumpy Dog. Christopher, Dan, it is now, yeah, Nematolebius YDI. And then isn't there like Papa, uh, what's the other one? Nematolebius paparensis or paparelli or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, they changed. So there's this guy in Brazil named Dr. Costa, um, and he's spent the last several years <laughs> making my life difficult because he's changing all the names of all the uh, South American annual killifish. And um, I say making my life difficult. I'm joking a bit. I mean, the work needs to be done. It's important work and it's neat to see how families of fish are related because that gives us a, a sense of how they came to be and uh, why they are where they are and how they evolved into their specific areas and, and kind of who's related to who and what order. That's all neat. But man, you finish learning all those scientific names and they change them on you. And it's like, you know, I'm not learning that again. <laughs> that was a lot of work. <laughs> so, um, yeah. How do you spell it? Yeah. Yeah. Some of those names are hard to spell. Janet, welcome. YouTube didn't send a notice. Well, bad YouTube. <laughs> it should have. I don't know what to say. I wish I wish I could control YouTube, but I can't. Uh, Wichita, doing water changes while listening in. Yep, that's the best way to use live stream in my experience. Live streams are great while putzing around the fish room. Robert Flores, was working while listening, but now driving home. Cool. Good. Glad to be here on your drive and congrats on finishing another workday. I hope you have a good evening. Um, Pork Slinger, good now. Okay, good. Good, good. Lumpy Dog, live stream was offline for several seconds. Ugh. Well, I'm glad it's okay now. Uh, I bet we lost a ton of people, but what can you do? Doc Wi-Fi. Hey, Dan, any ideas on how to cultivate live blood worms? Getting live blood worms from the store is getting pricey. Wow. Um, no, not at all. I know there are midge fly larvae. Well, let's see if we're talking about the same thing. So, are you talking about live bloodworms as in what I usually buy as a frozen bloodworm? So like a quarter inch longish bright red worm. Like I usually get the Hikari brand. Are you talking about that? Or are we using a different term for blackworms maybe? Um, because blackworms I do know how to cultivate. Um, yeah. 
So let me know if you're talking about what I call bloodworms, little quarter inch bright red worms. Um, I usually buy them frozen. Then no, I, I don't know how to um, how to cultivate those in any kind of quantity at all. Um, sometimes some will appear outdoors in like a container randomly if I'm trying to gather mosquito larva or culture daphnia, but that's about it. But if you're talking about uh, black worms, which a lot of people still call tubifix worms, even though they're not, um, then um, yeah, I can I can tell you how I do that. William, welcome back on live stream, online stream. Yeah, I think uh, we'll keep this going. I think Wednesdays at seven o'clock Mountain Time is uh, what I'm going to do for now, and then I'd like to find maybe a second time as well um, to live stream and, uh, you know, do it maybe twice a week. I think that would be manageable. I don't think anyone would burn out on that. Um, and, uh, it would be fun. So that's, that's the thought. Um, all right. So Christian, I just picked up all eight Australian rainbow fish at the local fish store. Any tips on getting them to breed? Yeah. So those are, they're very simple to get to breed. Um, if you got them from your local fish store, they're going to come from two sources, either the Florida fish farms where they're still, um, as far as I know, still cranking them out in large numbers. Um, and there's also large uh, fish farms in Southeast Asia that are cranking those out. So they're probably coming from a farm environment, which means you're going to want to treat them first off. So um, the first thing I would do is make sure that you treat them at least for internal parasites, at least metronidazole, maybe some prosy as well. General cure is uh, going around the hobby like wildfire, and it's a pretty good one. Um, has both metro and prosy in it. So definitely treat them for parasites. Uh, farmed fish, especially uh, some of the rainbows, they can pick up all kinds of things at the farm. So I would do that first of all, so that you make sure that um, once, once they're parasite free, they're going to be able to metabolize a lot more of their food, gain more weight and produce a lot more eggs. So the first part of breeding rainbow fish, I think, is if especially if they come from a farm, is to uh, treat them for parasites. Um, once that's done, then it's really just about feeding. I keep a, a plain bare bottom tank is best in my experience a sponge filter or some kind of filtration in there, and, um, and then a yarn mop. So you create a, a spawning mop out of a synthetic yarn, like an acrylic yarn, uh, put a cork on it, let it float, and make it long enough that it's just like a couple inches off the bottom of the tank. So it doesn't scrape the bottom of the tank and pick up all the mulm and gunk, okay? That'll help keep it clean. If you do that and if you feed well, and if you have a group of them, um, I don't know how many females you have, but if you have a few females, then once they're of size, you're going to get a lot of eggs. Um, I would say that at two, three inches, you're probably going to start seeing some production. Um, that species gets a little bigger, so as they age out, they'll get more production. Now, you can split the males and females and then put them together and you'll get a little more yield all at once sometimes. That can be helpful. But in my experience, um, that species is going to, and I should do a caveat, that's a species that I haven't actually bred, um, 
but I've bred very close relations to that. And, and it's going to be the same. I, I can almost guarantee it that if you feed them super well, you're going to have, once they're of size, just tons of eggs. Um, and then if you watch the, uh, keeping and breeding, um, the Wapoga red laser video that I have, I'll, that goes into all the detail of what to do with the eggs and the fry. So main thing about getting eggs from rainbow fish is clean water, a mop in a bare tank so they don't have other places to lay the eggs. So you make sure you can get them all where you want them so you can collect them in the mop. And then just lots of food, two, three, four times a day, uh, a nice variety, and at least it's something kind of meaty uh, once or twice a day, okay? So maybe it's flakes in the morning, and then at lunch, maybe they get brine shrimp, and then the, in the evening, maybe it's shrimp pellets. And then the next day, maybe in the morning, it's frozen blood worms, and then you know what I mean. So you're rotating things, but giving them at least once or twice a day something that is kind of got a lot of protein and some fat in it to help with egg development. Not too much, you don't wanna blow their liver or kidneys or anything, but yeah. Now, rainbows, I should also add, are continuous spawners. So they generally lay a few eggs a day. But if you really put the food on them and you have several females, you can get lots of eggs per day, yeah. Um, okay, so looking down, William interested in rainbow fish breeding as well. Now, the good news is rainbow fish are super easy to breed. Um, if you have a, a spawning mop and you feed them well and the water is clean and they're mature, you'll get eggs. Um, one of the counterintuitive things with rainbow fish is kind of the, the larger species lay smaller eggs than like the pseudomugles. So melataniatas and uh, glossoseps and things like that. Their eggs are smaller than the small little than a, than many of the small little uh, pseudomugles, um, which that's the challenge with rainbow fish. When they hatch, they're pretty small, so getting them to feed is the challenge. Getting lots of eggs for me isn't generally a challenge, um, but if you watch that video on the uh, Melataniata rubrivitata, the Wapoga red laser, then I think you'll have a good idea at least of how I treat the eggs in the fry and what works for me. And it might work for you too. Um, all right, Doc Willie, store calls them blood worms. Not sure the difference between them and black worms. Okay, I'm gonna, um, and they're alive. So I'm in, in, they sink and form a ball in the container and you keep them in the fridge. That's what I'm gonna assume we're talking about. Um, that's what, in, in my area, they call those black worms. But if indeed it's black worms, like California black worms is one of the, major farms, if it's that kind of thing, then um, how I do it is I just keep them in an aquarium with a sponge filter and I just feed the heck out of them. So um, I feed them fish food, usually sinking pellets or algae wafers. Every now and then I'll feel generous and I'll give them a, a lump of rapashi. And I just put that in and eventually you kind of want to put in as much as they'll eat within about a day. So it doesn't just, you know, turn into a massive mess. So you'll get a feel for that. And as the colony multiplies, you'll just keep adding more and more food. And eventually you'll have tons and tons of worms in there. Now, um, in the tank I have mine in, I, I haven't worried about putting in a place for them to hide or any of that. But um, you could, and they probably like it. So something I, I think I'll do 
is probably put in like a, a shallow plastic tray with um, a light layer of gravel in it and put the worms in that. And then I can centralize the food more and they'll have a place to kind of dig into the gravel. So I might try that. But the other thing you can do is you can get um, some kind of thing like metalla mats, say, put it down on the bottom of the aquarium over like a quarter of the bottom of the aquarium and put some stones on it or something so it stays sunk down on the bottom. And that can be a place where they can hide and things. And then to harvest them, you just lift up the mat and you can harvest them. But just clean water, a sponge filter, and uh, I feed them fish food and it works great. Sinking fish food, like sinking pellets work great. In fact, basically, um, it's a great way to get rid of leftover fish food or a little bit old fish food or just like I bought some shrimp pellets and they turned out to be horrible. And so I feed them that. So <laughs> they're not picky. Yeah. So that's how I do it. Now, I'm not going to say I get tons and tons and tons of yield, but the colony multiplies enough that once a week or so I can pull some out to feed like my wild type bettas, my white cheek gobies and some other fish. Um, to get real high yield, what they do on the farms is they actually take those worms and they, um, they cut them up into smaller pieces, probably not super small, but they kind of rake the bottom of the pond, which segments the worms into different pieces. And then those, um, each piece will turn into a, a new worm. That's how they do it. Um, but I'm not really interested in doing that. Um, all right. So, William, mine been loving my hornwort. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They'll, they love live plants. They'll, they'll lay tons of eggs in that if we're talking about rainbow. Thomas, what's up, Dan? What are we talking about? Uh, Thomas, I think you came in when I was talking about uh, breeding or cultivating black worms. Um, the doc Wi-Fi asked a question about how to do that. Um, and I think we're talking about black worms. Um, in Doc's area, they call them bloodworms, but I think it's the same thing. So I was talking about how I cultivate the uh, blackworms. Yeah, and welcome. Glad you made it. I'm glad the fish did too. Hannah, hey, I made it. Great, Hannah. Welcome. Um, Thomas, what's the source for your blackworms? I heard that worms from the West Coast carry hole in the head. Oh, wow. Um, well, mine came from the East Coast, but I have used the California blackworms for years and years and years and years before I moved to Wyoming. When I was in California, that's what I used. I never noticed that. Um, I don't know. I Things like that, I would say um, dig in and do some real research. Just because people are saying it on forums doesn't mean it's true, you know. Um, so if you can find like a, there was a study done and they were found to carry... Uh, hexamitis or whatever the parasite is that calls, causes hole in the head or whatever causes hole in the head. We don't even know that for sure, I don't think. There's so many theories about that. Um, then maybe, but some hobbyist saying, hey, I fed blackworms and then, hey, now my fish has hole in the head. Blackworms must have caused hole in the head. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put too much credence in that. And I think it would be a probably a pretty big stretch not a stretch. I would say it's probably very uncommon that a worm could be the host organism for something that affects um, a fish like that. Now, I know it can happen. Like there are 
some parasites that snails are an important part of the life cycle and, and things like that. So I know it can happen, but until I read some, some real uh, like peer-reviewed data on that, I'd be a little skeptical. Um, Christian, I'll definitely check out the video. They're in a bare bottom 55. That sounds awesome. I've already treated them, so now I got to get a mop. Yep. So get a book, get some yarn, and just wrap the yarn around the book. And then when you've got a nice thick, you know, amount of yarn wrapped around, just uh, tie it on one end and then snip the other end, and voila, you've got a mop. Attach a wine cork to the top, and you're good to go. Um, I'm gonna have to do a video on making mops. I have a little uh, machine that I use to do it because. It's okay if you're just making a couple mops to wrap it around a book, but after a while, the yarn going through your fingers actually burns your fingers if you're doing several mops in a row. So I got a little contraption that I use. So I'll have to show you guys that sometime. Um, but yeah, Christian, if you do that, if they're feeding well and the water's clean, chemically clean, you know, ammonia, nitrite, all that um, is, is not present um, and they're mature, then if you have a few females, my feeling is you'll get tons of eggs. Um, Robert, what mother am fish at? Not quite sure what you meant there, Robert, but I'm sure it was. <laughs> what mother am fish at? I mean, what uber fish? I mean, what other fish? Hi, <laughs> Robert's having trouble with autocorrect. So, Robert, when you get that sorted out, <laughs> let us know what you mean. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Fishing glass. What up? What did I miss? Um, you missed some talk on breeding killifish. That's kind of what I opened with. Someone had emailed me and asked me a question about that. Um, and the question specifically specifically was how to breed them for perhaps a little bit of profit to pay for the fish room, things like that. So I went into killifish a little bit. Um, so that's kind of what you missed. Oh, did I just give five dollars? Woo! Hey, thank you. That is awesome. Now, how do I see this? I'm going to click on it. Here we go. Wichita. Thank you. Wichita Falls Fish Keeper, five dollars. Dan, you're a great source of information. We appreciate your feedback. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Wichita. I appreciate that. That is the third live chat or super chat. Did I say live chat before? Third super chat I've gotten my entire life. So that is very meaningful to me. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. Um, all right. And thanks for being here repeatedly, time after time. And everyone that's here, you know, this would just be uh, weird if you weren't here, just me talking to the camera by myself. So thanks for being here. Thanks for uh, being an awesome community and making this fun. I appreciate you guys too. All right. Um, okay. Now that I did that, I don't know how to get off it. Um, I'm new to Super Chats. Hang on. Okay, here we go. So let's see here. Hannah, everyone I talk to or watch say to get to get blackworms from California. Yeah. So. So, OK, so there's been a source for blackworms from California for many years now, and there's been one on the East Coast for many years now. Um, honestly. They're probably the same. Um, I've used both. I've had the same experience with both. The problem comes in the warm weather when you try to get blackworms. They don't ship well 
in the warm weather. They hate it warm. They just break down super quick. Um, and so if someone buys from either California or the East Coast um, in warm weather, odds are it can often be an issue. And so, you know, it just takes someone ordering once and having that problem before they say, don't buy from this company. And it's true. The company should, if they're doing this for their living, they should package them properly and send them um, quickly enough and all that, that they can get there alive. But so should I, you know, when I sell fish and every now and then I just run into a problem and they probably do too, but warm weather is hell on black worms. So, um, in my experience in warm weather, they both are about equally successful and in cold weather, they're both generally steadily successful. Um, and the reason I'm getting mine from the East coast right now, is just because I happened to do an order, a fish order with a wholesaler on the East Coast, and uh, they had a bunch available. So I just added that to my fish order. But it wasn't because I don't like them from California or anything. I, I, I honestly think they're about the same, um, at least in my experience. Now, other people could have other experiences, and that's totally valid. But um, I've got a lot of samples from both sides, a lot of... Uh, a lot of transactions with black worms on both sides of the United States. And my experience has been there about the same. Um, all right. So Robert, sorry, phone spazzed out. Well, no problem. That was funny, Robert. <laughs> it's just like trying to eventually just throw the phone against the wall, right? Yeah. What other fish are you interested in that if you had more room, you get a tank full of? Um, well, for me and other people, let's let's uh, throw that in the chat too. If there's a fish that you're like dying to get, for me, there's several, um, all so many kinds of killifish um, that I just absolutely love. Um, and oh, hang on, I got another super chat, so I'll get the super chat in a second. Um, I see it though, thank you. Um, but lots of killifish. My bucket list is Congo Panchax Brashardi, which is a tiny little lamp eye. It might be called Poro Panchax Brashardi. It used to be called Aplicylus Brashardi. It changes all the time. But um, yeah, those are gorgeous. I've seen them once. My friend had them and I've never kept them, but they were stunning when he had them. Um, Beta Macrostoma is on that list. Um, and there are several species of killifish on that list. I would like to get into Goodyeard sometime if I had a temperature, uh, a facility that had the right temperature for them. And then on the opposite temperature wise, I'd like to get, there's all kinds of Thania species. So that's a Middle Eastern and North African killifish species. Um, I, they're awesome. And, um, and different kinds of pupfish that I think would be really neat. So mostly killifish. If I could just keep something for fun and have the tank space, there's all kinds of killifish. But that being said, there's some rhinogobia species that I really want to breed. Um, there's some dwarf cichlids I really want to do. There's the list is long. <laughs> what can I say? But top of the list, like bucket list items are, um, Brashardi, either Poro Panchax or Congo Panchax. I don't know what it's called right now. And uh, Beta Macrostoma. Those are a couple I'm really interested in. Yeah. How about you, Robert? What are you, uh, what's like, what's the fish that, you know, 
you really want and just haven't got yet. Um, Lumpy Dog, can kill fry, can killy fry, I think, survive on algae and microorganisms is in a well-established planted tank. Yeah, um, I see it happen all the time and it's happened to me too when I haven't tried to breed them and they just, they just grow up. Or where you move the parents and you um, don't think there's anything in the tank and then you look back later and it's like, hey, there's a bunch of fry in there. Um, hang on, I want to make sure I'm not missing the super chat here. Here we are. Christian, thank you, Christian. No comment, no question, just straight up five bucks. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Super chat number four in my life. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate you being, being here. Thank you so much. Um, let's see here. So yeah, they can. You're not going to... Uh, I'm back to Lumpy Dog's question. Sorry, I switched brains and then switched back. Um, you can. You're not going to get high yield, but it can definitely happen. Yep. Thomas, the head of the North American Beta Conservatory said it. Well, if if that's at least a source that you think that person might know what they're talking about. So, um, you know, that adds a little credence to it. Um, and, and I'm not saying that they don't. All I'm saying is that there are, um, there's so many things in this hobby that haven't been proved to be true, but that are treated as gospel. Um, they become part of the lore, part of the culture and all that. And, um, yeah, in, in, until there's some kind of actual like evidence and corroboration and things like that, I just tend to be a little skeptical of it. That's, that's all. Maybe it comes from, I, I have a fairly academic background. Maybe that's why. That's just my personal take on it. But hey, if, if that's someone you trust, Thomas, and you know, and they've given you reliable information in the past and they're saying that, then better safe than sorry, right? Um, but um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's probably what I want to say on that. Um, Doc Willie, cool. Thanks for the advice. You're welcome. I hope it helps. Hangar, hey, welcome. Hangar 77, Doug's Fish Adventure. What about your fish room tour? This week, yeah. Um, so I probably, I probably won't get to shooting it until Saturday, but I don't think it's something I'm going to have to edit or anything. I'm, I'm going to go around with the camera and just do it in real time, like that first fish room tour. So the plan is to do that on Saturday and to post it on Saturday. Um, now, please don't burn me at the stake if it doesn't happen, but that's the plan. Um, so this week, I, I, that's on my list. That's one of the top things to get done. And Saturday is when I think I'll have the time to do it. Because um, I don't want to rush it or anything. I, I, I don't want to be like, I have half an hour, I got to get this done. You know, I, I want to be in the right frame of mind. And that's the day when things will be relaxed enough that I think I can pull it off and do it well. So, yes, thank you for reminding me, Doug, keeping me accountable. I appreciate it. <laughs> William, pom-poms for cheerleading. Make great mops. Oh, wow. L.R. Brett's cheerleading pom-poms. Is it L.R. Brett's trick? Cool. Um, there's a, another one I tried was like the, I call them the little poof bath sponges. Like you put your body wash on, um, those can work too. And they float. 
Um, the issue I had is every now and then one will get a hole and a fish can actually swim into them and get stuck. So I stopped using those. Um, Easter grass is another good one. But um, for collecting eggs, I like yarn mops. But I'm going to have to look at pom-poms. I, I confess, William, I don't know anything about cheerleading pom-poms. Maybe I've just been living the wrong life. But um, I wonder if they... Uh, because here's what I'm looking for. So mops are great for any species that doesn't want to spawn just at the top. If it's a very top-oriented species, like the Aplicylus dei or blocki that I have, or an Epiplates or, any, or some of the rainbow fish, if it's a very top-oriented spawner, then the issue is that little bit of mop that's protruding and sinking at the surface there, um, it's only, you know, it's like that. And so it's not a lot of space for the fish to lay their eggs. So what I've always been looking for and haven't found yet really is some kind of thing that kind of spreads out across the top of the surface and sinks down an inch or two and takes up a good, you know, chunk of surface so that the fish that are top spawners really have a lot of options and there's a lot of cover for the eggs. Because if it's just the, the spawning mop and then they're laying their eggs on the sides of it and stuff, a lot of them are probably going to get eaten. But if it's something that goes out and is of a certain mass, then I think you could collect a lot more eggs and give them a lot more space for spawning on the surface. So I'm always looking for that. Something that I'm wondering about is like the microfiber like dust mops. Um, that's something that that's weird. I'm going to end this and start again because YouTube just popped up and said, uploading the archive to your channel, stream complete. Oh, now it's resuming. Okay, I hope I'm back. Um, that was really weird. Like YouTube just popped up a thing and said, stream is complete, archiving to your channel. Um, but then it just clicked back on. So I don't know what's going on. Um, I think it's a YouTube issue, but that's always convenient, right? To blame YouTube. So I'm not sure, but um, anyway, I think I got through my uh, floating mop kind of quest comments before it got all cut out on you. I hope so. Um, hope everyone can still see in here. Looks like we're back. Okay, I'm just going to go on. Aquarium Cop. Yeah, hey, Aquarium Cop. Another great screen name. Lumpy Dog. That super chat just got at Wichita Falls Fishkeeper. A new subscriber. Me. All right, great. I'm glad you subscribed, Lumpy Dog. Welcome, welcome. Aquarium Cop, me too. Oh, yeah, awesome. Cool. Thanks, Wichita. Got me a couple subscribers. I appreciate that. Um, Wichita, the fish fam is an awesome community. It is, for sure. Um, and um, I talked in one of the live streams I did during the contest a few days ago about my personal experience with it. And uh, I'm not going to go into that in huge depth right now. But basically, there was a time when I had an injury and I was you know, stuck in bed for weeks and something that got me through it was just the fish fam videos. Um, cause it, it kept me interested in the hobby and up to date with the community and all that, even though I was just flat on my back in bed. So, um, fish fans really helped me through some tough times. I appreciate you all. Um, all right, Thomas, what do you use to remove chlorine from your water or have you covered it in an older video? Um, yeah, I'm sure I've covered it, but I'll answer the question. I use a carbon block filter. Um, I'm going to move the camera and see if I can show it to you real quick. 
Um, let's see. You see those? You can see one of them, that blue filter there. There's two of them, and that has a big carbon block in it. So I have two carbon blocks um, just for redundancy, and all the water that comes in the fish room goes through there. So that's what I use. Um, otherwise, I, I use like I think it was Prime that I was using. I've used Amquel. I've used uh, what else over the years? Um, stress coat, you know, all kinds of things. But right now, I it just all the water that comes in the room automatically has the chlorine removed. And I'm really lucky. Um, there's hardly any chlorine in the water here. The water's super high quality. Um, it comes from some mountains that I can see from my yard. So I can get to the mountains in 20 minutes. And that's the source of my water. In between me and the mountains, we don't have like a big industrial complex or anything like that. So it's pretty darn pure. So I don't have to do a lot with that. Um, let's see. Janet just went offline again. Yeah, I, I think that was, yeah, I, I noticed that. <laughs> um, don't know why. Sorry that's happening. Uh, but at least we're back. Um, Hengar, you back. Yes, I am. Let me dog. Dan's not paying his YouTube bills. They're limiting his service. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. It's like the electricity. Yep. Got to start paying that. Janet Wittenberg Bachelor. LR Brett just loaded a video today about using pom-poms. I'm totally going to check that out. For breeding some rainbows and mascara barbs, he used them in a plastic shoe box. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to look at that. Um, if I can find a way to make them float and spread out, that might be awesome. But I think also those like, you know, those feather dusters, those artificial feather dusters, that's something that might work. I haven't tried it yet and I haven't seen any videos on it, but the texture and things I think is perfect. What I'm trying to find though is one of the right color, like bright orange. I'm like, well, they probably spawn in it, but <laughs> maybe I'll use bright orange if I can't find another color. But I think those might work too. But yes, I'm totally going to check out the pom-pom video from Mr. Bretz. Bob Clater. Lucas just did a live stream this evening. He featured his mascara barbs and them spawning in pom-poms. Yeah, he tells where he bought them. I think the pom-poms might be what you're looking for. Yep. Okay. Consensus is check out LR Bretz live stream that he released and I will. Uh, Robert, so jealous. Sac County water. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. I'm originally from... Northern California. Sac County water is, um, I'm going to say bad in case there's children around. Literally the worst. I have to prime the heck out of it. I know, man, it's, it's hard. It tastes nasty. And there's so many chemicals in it. I know. Folsom Lake. Yep. <laughs> Thank you, Folsom Lake, right? <laughs> Which when you go swimming up there, water skiing, it's not a huge surprise that <laughs> the water tastes bad because that lake is pretty murky, man. Yep. Um, so what I'm talking about is Folsom Lake is the water source for a lot of the Northern California area. And it's, it's, a, it's a great fun lake, but the water is brown, 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 brown. Um, Thomas Perkins. I would have gone insane without fish videos. I can't do a ton in the fish room. I need to automate, automate the water change process as much as possible. Yeah, it's... It's been great, um, especially if it's a, if you have any volume of aquariums, it's, it helps. And, you know, it doesn't take away, it's, even when it's automated, there's still upkeep. You know, there's algae that grows you have to scrub. And 
you'll get mulm on the bottom and you have to remove that somehow sometimes and things like that. But in general, it's wonderful. And it just means that you're going to have consistent changes. So if you have lights on a timer and water changes on a timer and all this stuff, you end up with these very consistent environments. And when the environment is consistent, then you can um, get to know it very well to the point where you know what its capacity is and, um, and it's fairly stable. So yeah, Thomas, automated water changes, you know, it was a ton of work and um, to get it set up, I had, you know, I had to do things I'd never done before, watched a lot of YouTube videos, figured out some plumbing things, all that stuff. But um, in the end, it was totally worth it. But there were days when I was like, forget this. I'm just, I'm just going to film. <laughs> I'm just going to put a, a little bent piece of pipe on the end of my Python hose and fill them that way. I'm done. You know, there were days when it, it just took forever to do it. But once it's done, it's awesome. I mean, I would highly recommend it for anyone. It is worth it in the end. If you have it, you know, a certain number of tanks. Yeah. Um, Robert. And to answer my question earlier, I would really like a community of peacocks. I just really like colorful fish. Oh, did I miss your... I'm sorry if I missed your question, Robert, about peacocks. Um, hang on, I'm scrolling up to see what it was. Oh, peacocks are the fish that Robert would really like to get. Um, yeah, I had someone uh, ask me today on the chat about... I assume we're talking about peacock bass. Maybe peacock gungeons or gudgeons or some, <laughs> every time I say gungeon, gudgeons or some other peacock. But um, if you're talking about peacock bass, there's someone that um, asked me about that in the comments um, in one of the recent videos and asked if I could get them. And um, the short answer is that's not a fish I'm going to bring in. But I left a, a link on that comment to my friend Wesley Wong, who brings in all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, to his Facebook page. So if you're looking for peacock bass, I know Wesley Wong. I know he does good work. I don't know if he has any peacock bass available right now, but if you start a dialogue with him, then uh, he's a guy I would I would trust to get him from. I've seen a lot of peacock bass come in over the years, and they come in super rough generally. Um, they're they're usually very emaciated. They're often full of parasites. It's it's just a, a tough tough fish to get in. Um, and I'd be careful about who I got them from. And just Wesley's a guy that I feel comfortable recommending. There's probably other folks that have great fish too, but, but I know Wesley's fish and he's in California too, which uh, might be helpful. So, um, I think, uh, Walnut Creek is where he's at, if I remember right. So yeah, uh, peacocks are awesome. I have a friend in uh, the Simi Valley in Los Angeles, basically, who has a big fish house full of cichlids. And in his living room in the house he lives in, he has two houses, one for fish and one for uh, him and his family. He has a thousand gallon custom aquarium. It's got sono tubes that bring sunlight in. And uh, last time I was there, it had peacock bass in it. And it was pretty cool. Yep. William, my wife likes you and Rachel O'Leary. So I got the okay to keep on watching these streams. Well, Good. I'm, I'm glad your wife approves because that's the half, half the battle, right? To a happy life, William. <laughs> Good. Just for fun family. Nick, hey! Hey, Dan. Yes, that was me. Thanks for the advice. I'm going to check him out. Yeah, so um, 
So, um, Robert, Nick was the one, just for fun family, was the one asking about the peacock bass. Um, so, Nick, would you let us know which video that comment is on so it's easy for Robert to find it? I can't remember and I can't look right now or I think I'll lose the stream. Um, all right, thank you. You're welcome, Nick, you're welcome. Um, Robert, the colorful ones, they're small. I forgot the other name for it. I can get them, but no room yet. Yeah, well, I hope you do get them sometime. Yeah. Um, so we've reached the end of chat. Um, we've gone about an hour, so we can shut it down now. But before we do, I'm curious if anyone uh, was able to have any fish spawn between last time we talked. If you've got anything breeding in your room, um, if you have anything hatching, um, things like that. That's something I'm always interested in hearing about. Nick, yeah, you got it. Let me check right now. Okay, cool. Thanks, Nick. So Nick's going to tell us which video that was. Um, I'm afraid if I click that button, this will all go crashing down. Fishing glass. No, mail ate the eggs again. Oh, shoot. Uh, fishing glass. Was that the peacock gungeon? Gudgeon. Dang it. I did it again. <laughs> That's my nemesis. Gudgeon. Not gungeon. I don't know why. <laughs> okay, cool. So the mail ate the eggs again. Um, so let's... Um, Fish and glass. What's the aquarium like? I'm I might be able to walk you through that. Um, is are there a lot of other fish in the tank, and is that stressing him out? Perhaps are there fish swimming around his cave all the time and, and just making him feel stressed? That can make them eat the eggs. Um, it's a, it's only his second spawn, so there's also that he's still new to uh, to the back seat, so it could take him a little a few more tries to get it right. Um, but is there another male in there also that is trying to like impose his will on him? That can be stressful too. So I'm just curious uh, what the setup is like. 20 long with two females. Okay, so it's just two females in him. Um, are there other fish in there? If it's just him and two females, then yeah, it's an age thing. I think you told me they're only like an inch and a half, right? So that could be, it could still be a fertility issue too, if he's that young, maybe. Um, yeah. Well, I hope next time it goes to term. And if not, uh, maybe after he gets a little age on him, a little size. I mean, that's a three inch fish and he's only half inch, eight, uh, one and a half inches, right? So he's only half grown. So yeah. Anthony, I had my super red pleco male. Keeps kicking out the eggs the female lays in. Oh man, well, um, those you can artificially incubate those two um, if you need to. If he kicks them out and then they get eaten, which can happen, then like a uh, uh, oh geez, I just blanked <laughs> an egg tumbler. <laughs> an egg tumbler can help with that, and I do know people that just raise them in separate piece, uh, little containers of water too, and have some success. But if he, if he keeps kicking out the eggs and so they get eaten, if you want to raise them, you might look at an egg tumbler, or it could be that the cave is maybe the wrong configuration too. Maybe he needs a different size cave or a different, differently configured cave somehow, but Hey, at least they're spawning. That's, that's awesome. Well, Bob Clater, I had a million rainbow cichlid fry hatch out my 55 gallon. I'm sure you did. <laughs> Dad kicked the mom out and is guarding the cloud of fry. 
Other fish are all in the other half of the tank. I'm pulling them Saturday at 14 days. That sounds like the right thing to do. That's awesome. Cichlids are so fun to watch spawn, but, but that's the deal with a lot of them. They spawn and all the other fish end up in the corner, right? So I'm glad you're pulling them. But those are beautiful fish, man. That's awesome that you spawned those. Robert Flores. My SRT female currently has her tube down, but my male is a dum-dum. Okay. So super red Texas female is ready to go, but the male's not ready yet. Yep. Getting them in sync can be a little difficult. Once you do spawn them though and get them to hatch, you're going to have like, what, a thousand babies, <laughs> 500 babies. So yeah, it'll be worth the wait. Um, just for fun, this is a link to comment. Um, oh, but it probably wouldn't let you post it. Yeah, SRT, Super Red Texas, yeah. Okay, Anthony. Uh, okay, thank you. You're welcome, Anthony. Um, if you're even trying to hatch them, maybe it's like, hey, they just spawned in my community tank and whatever. But you know, caviar is always good. Always good food. Um, all right, cool. Well, um, I think we've reached the end here. Um, oh, Wichita, we got another one, so we'll keep going. My wife found some Sudamugil Gertrude RO2 fry today. That's awesome. Oh, they're so small. Um, so that is one of the Sudamugils that doesn't have that large of an egg. It's probably about the same size as like the Threadfin or maybe some of the Melitaniatas, um, Melitanias. Um, but definitely not as big as like Fricata or Tenilis or something like that. But um, yeah, those are beautiful. Man, that small golden pearl food, five to 50 microns, that has worked wonderful for me for raising those tiny little rainbow fry. Anthony, oh wow, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome for Wichita. Robert, up to two to 300 and then some. I'm not ready <laughs> at all. Yep, Super Red Texas is gonna have. <laughs> so you're gonna have to give up your bathtub, Robert. I hate to say it, but uh, you are bathing in the sink and, uh, you know, just fill a five gallon bucket, get a sponge, go to town. Uh, <laughs> I guess the fish are getting the bathtub. <laughs> Papa Doubles, can you do a, a quick tour of the tanks? Um, not really, because the, the webcam I'm using is on a cord that's attached by USB to, um, to the computer. And so I, I can't move it around very much. I'm not on my phone or something. I'm actually using a webcam on my, on my desktop computer. So I don't have any mobility. But, um, but Papa Doubles, I have promised that I will get that video out, uh, a, a new fish room tour on Saturday. So look for that coming out Saturday, okay? Um, and that's the downfall to doing it on my computer. If I do it on my phone, though, then I just have Wi-Fi. I don't have like an Ethernet cable straight to my, um, you know, web provider. So I'm worried that Wi-Fi live stream on the phone might be a little grainy, might be might be even worse than what you're watching now. So that's why I do it on my PC. Um, wish I could, but I can't really right now. Um, yeah, we know what you meant, Robert. No, no worries. Which uh, I'll try some. Do you sell the food? I don't sell the food. I got mine from kensfish.com. K-E-N-S, like the name Ken, kensfish.com uh, is where I found it. I think you can also get it at brineshrimpdirect.com. Um, those are the two sources. And then maybe Amazon and eBay. But 
Golden Pearls, the 5 to 50 micron size, um, super good for those small fish. Um, something else you can do is if you have any algae powder, like spirulina powder or um, what's the name of that red algae? I can't remember. Um, those can work as well. And those are good to mix in too. So if you're at Ken's Fish, he sells the green algae powder and the red algae powder, and it's super fine. Um, and if, if you do the golden pearls, if you want to supplement with a little veggie, then those would be some good powders to get while you're at kensfish.com. Um, just for fun, family, it's not letting me post for some reason, um, but if it helps, it's on the live stream number 12 video. Okay, so that's live stream number 12. That's the final giveaway in the $1,000 uh, giveaway uh, event. So yeah, so I think it's probably the top comment on that video right now. If you're looking for Peacock Bass, Wesley Wong. Again, I don't know if he has any available right now, but I know he has, and I know that when he gets them, he's not gonna sell them unless they're, they're good fish. Um, yeah, I'm confident saying that about Wesley. Papa Doubles. Yeah, sorry, Papa. Looking forward to it. Yep, Saturday I'll do that. Wichita. Yep, I buy spirulina from Ken's. I'll look for it. Um, have a good night, gang. All right. Yep, on that note, um, we're going to cut it off here. Thanks, everybody, for coming. I appreciate the chat. I appreciate the interaction. Um, yep, Bob, I will get it done. I guess I have to now. <laughs> appreciate you all being here. And for sure, I'll do this again in a week. Same bat time, same bat channel. So 7 o'clock Mountain Time um, on Wednesdays is when it's going to go on the regular. And I'll, uh, I'll find a second time as well to do it so we can go twice a week. But, yep, thanks, everybody. Yes, Steve. <laughs> well, ha, ha Of course. Good night. Good night, everybody. Thanks for coming.